Father, we thank you for such a time like this that we are privileged to come into your presence to gather at your feet. God, we feast on your word that gives us life, that gives us hope, that illuminates every area and every facet of our lives so that everything that is darkness gets dispelled. We ask, Lord, O oh God, in the name of Jesus, show yourself might in this place. I commend myself into the hollow of your hands. I am a messenger. And I ask in the name of Jesus, speak through my cords. Make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. Establish a communication, Lord, O oh God, between this pulpit, between the messenger, having every one of your children here, irrespective of circumstance or wherever they are. But as well as Lord, O oh God Almighty, let your name be glorified. Thank you because of your blessed presence in this place. Worship has ascended from this place. And anytime worship ascends, your presence is here. So Lord, O oh God Almighty, leave an indelible deposit upon every heart and every mind. Be glorified and be exalted, Father Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the church of God said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We are going to go through a set of scriptures. For those who... Our Bible scholars, you will bear with us. It's a very popular scripture that if you've been attending church for a while, you would have read that entire chapter and we'll take you forward from there. Now, Second Chronicles, chapter 20. Second Chronicles, chapter 20. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Now, please pay attention. Don't sleep on God because you're going to be reading probably the first 20 verses or so. So don't sleep. Don't let your attention span go to your oven. It's safe and secure wherever it is. Amen. Verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazaz and Tamar, which is in Kedi. And verse 3, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered to ask help from the Lord and from this, all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new God and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not a God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever, and the dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they returned from them and did not destroy them. Verse 11, here they are, 
rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Verse 13, now all Judah, with the little ones, the wives, and the children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Matania, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. Verse 15, and he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid, nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Thank you. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his fist to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites, of the children of the Korahites, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So early in the morning, early in the morning, so they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Let's bow our heads once more. Father, breathe upon your word. In the time we have here, Lord, O oh God Almighty, show yourself mighty. Speak to a heart, speak to a mind. Deposit a word. Deposit, Lord, O oh God, an instruction. Deposit a counsel, Lord, in the heart and mind of someone. But above all else, Lord, O oh God, let your name alone be glorified. Blessed be your name, Father, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray, and the church of God said, Amen. Hallelujah. For the purposes of title, I try to shy away from it, you may say, how and why. It goes thus, that the battles, plural, the battles continue. Are we still together? When we started that text, the Bible said that, after this, please note that they, there was no record that Jehoshaphat fired a missile or arrow or was looking for the trouble of these three nations that came to set siege against him. And in fact, just prior to that, the Bible makes us realize that he had put reforms. He had set up, raised leaders who were going around about the whole of Judah, instructing people in the ordinances of God, what they must do, what they must not do. He had been taking down all the altars of Baal and Asherah. But suddenly, these people just out of nowhere gathered against them. There was no, in that time, you probably have seen something on whatever the version of the Facebook is or Instagram, but there was nothing like that. News just came that you have been surrounded by three nations mightier than you. Now, please note something about this people call Ammon, Moab, and people of Mount Seir. They were no strangers. In fact, if we go down the ancestral history, they were cousins. 
because they all descended from, I think his, they were all cousins. Ammon and Moab descended from, from Lot, Abraham's nephew, and the Edomites, siblings with Israel, because Edomites, um, thank you, Esau's descendants. Now, the Bible says in, I think it's Micah 7, that a man's enemies, they are from within. Mm, they are not strangers at all. The, the, the challenges you will face at work is either from someone who is envying you somehow, somewhere. But the Bible says in, in here that they came together. Not that your shepherd was not preparing for war, but he looked at the size of this, of this enemy and realized, thank you, Brother Winger, and realized that um, there is no amount of intellectual articulation that I can put together. There are not enough generals that can summon that will help me to overcome this challenge because surely they have to overcome because one thing that happens there is if they did not fight, they are snookered. They'll be enslaved. They'll protect their king, probably imprison their king and um, take their men and put them to slave labor, probably turn their women into prostitutes because these people, they were morally irresponsible. Anything how goes. Now one of the first things I will point out, in this journey of ours, there will be challenges is not a function of if but a function of when. Let me read something to you that if you put up for me Jeremiah 15, verse 20. Jeremiah 15, verse 20 in the New King James. Is it stuck? Just give me a wave. I'll find it here myself. Okay, there we go. And I will make you to this people, a fortified bronze wall. And please note that. And they will do what? They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. Let's look at another one. Go with me to this very popular one. Isaiah 54, verse 15. Isaiah 54, verse 15 says, indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall. For whose sake? Thank you. For your sake. Go to verse 16. It says, behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who is an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. Verse 17. A very popular one. No weapon. Formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. And it says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness from me, says the Lord. Let's look at another one, so that there's no ambiguity. Go to Deuteronomy 28, verse 7. Aha. Uh -huh. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face, they shall come out. They shall come out against you in one way, but in seven ways they would 
they would flee. Second item. Now go back to Second Chronicles 20, verse 3. Second Chronicles 3, verse 20. Uh-huh. And Jehoshaphat feared, and he had a common sense to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Now let's look at the first bit. When those challenges show up, it is okay, it is normal, because you are normal to fear. Because if challenges come and there's no element, you are not Jesus. Mm, every one of us, if we have a proper emotional apparatus that God put there at some points in your life, no matter how fortified you are in whatever shape or form, there are certain things that will come that you will put the question and say, ah, I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. But you see, what I'm saying here is when those challenges show up, we must be quick to subdue the anxieties that will come with it. God did not design us to sustain any form of anxiety for any long periods. The medics here will tell you when you allow fear and anxiety, it releases certain hormones into your system that begins to break down your body over time. Which is why the Bible says repeatedly, Bible scholars have discovered that more than 365 times in the Bible says, fear not. In Philippians 4, if you put it there, sending a message to the church in Philippi. Philippians 4, verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and go to verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. The initial part says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. Jehoshaphat had the common sense that this thing is a matter for God to attend. Are we still together? Okay. Now the third item. Go with me. Second Chronicles again. Verse 13. Second Chronicles 20 verse 13. It's not me, it's them. Okay. Hallelujah. Now, please note this. It says, now, some people in Judah, all of Judah, every one of them, in my understanding, says with their little ones, the wives and their children, stood before the Lord. I call it a, a call to arms, a call to prayer. Nobody was left behind in this matter because it concerns every one of them from, please keep it there, their little ones, their wives, and their children, their next generation at stake. Are we still together? Families about to be decimated. The Bible said, now all of Judah with their little ones, their wives and the children stood before the Lord to seek God's face because anytime we seek God's face, somehow into Canaan, there is an answer that God will deploy because God is never without a solution. Now, 
Leviticus 26, I'll read that if you can put it up, quite fine. It says, five of you shall chase a hundred. A hundred of you shall put 10,000 to fight and your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. Another item of together is Matthew 18, verse 18. New King James Version. It says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather together in my name, I am there in their midst. Now, so question is, probably for those of us who are married or maybe we are not, is there, without waiting for a crisis time, is there a, a let me use the word, matrimonial altar? Husband and wife praying together. Another one. Oh, what married do you have? A trustworthy prayer partner is what we are saying here. The Bible says all of Judah. In Matthew 18, he says, I say to that, if two of you shall agree. And says, where two or three are seen, all of us here. He said, whatever we ask, we get. Now, laying that aside, families, is there a family altar? questions we need to ask ourselves because the Bible says they all came together. Dad, mom, I salute moms who are the dads. Let's put hands together for them actually. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, I believe that in the absence of men they are doing a, a fantastic job of raising children who have grown teeth. Hallelujah. The other item I'm asking is uh, if you pray, uh, your children, do your children see you pray? Or do you bring them when you're praying? It's not just when you're praying and you are speaking in heavy tongues that they're so scared. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you engage them to understand the art of prayer? Because that is, that is the only weapon. We don't fire missiles. We are not in the military. The only weapon we have is that weapon of prayer, which each time we engage in, hell goes into trembling. Hear what Christ says, Mark 135. If you can put it up. Mark 135. Uh -huh. Now in the morning, this is Christ, the Bible giving us an example. In the morning, having reason a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Luke 18, 1 to 2. The Bible says, men ought. In fact, put it up. Luke 18, let's start from verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to, say, to them that men, how often? Always. Always, always ought to pray and not lose. Let me pack there for a minute. Why would the Bible say always? 
Because the devil, because he is wicked, according to Isaiah 48, 22, I said, there is no rest for the wicked. So he goes to and fro. The earth, seeking whom to devour. The, the Bible says in, in the first part of John 10, 10 that, the, that the devil has come to steal, to kill, and destroy perpetually. So while we are sleeping, he's going to and fro. I will share this, uh, this, uh, this uh, extract from uh, Job 1, I think, verse 6. When God called a meeting of the angels, and God asked Satan, where have you come from? And his reply, from going to and fro, like a radar system, seeking. In chapter 2 of the same thing, God called another meeting, and he gave the same response, from going to and fro. Now, when we are not always praying or engaging in prayer, we are leaving the field that God has allocated to us in possession of the enemy or in the enemy's possession. Now, okay, you say, but I have to sleep. Yes. Psalm 121 tells us that the God we serve does not sleep or slumber. Every time we go to, to bed, Psalm 91, I believe, 11 says, he has given angels. So before we go to bed, we invoke those angels. When we wake up, you see, in, we're a bit relaxed in this country. I know some, let me mention it by name. I was there a few months ago. Before they step out of their house, they recite the entirety of Psalm 91. All of it. Against every arrow, against every fiery dart, wherever it may be coming from, they bind it before they leave home. Then when they are going to bed at night, and you are wondering, that did you kill Jesus? No. <laughs> but they know what they are up against. Are we still together? Because the demons they see there, they are more real. Mm, they are more real than what we face on, on this side of God's creation. Amen? Now, our children, no matter how well we cushion them, they will fight their own battles. Um, I remember, this was just not last week, two weeks ago, when the children were having their service, um, a young lady, Miss Oshidera, I don't know whether she's here. I've seen mom here. She was sharing with us that children have their own stresses. <laughs> and um, it, did, it did catch my attention, that stress. You're not married. <laughs> you don't have children to look after. You don't have council tax, income tax, NI, and all sorts of things. Are we still together? But I realize where they're coming from. You see, in, in their generation, they are bombarded with an awful lot of stuff. In fact, some of them in their generation, on account of this thing called social media, is stressful. Somebody bullies them online, and after a while, some of them take their lives. That is stressful. So sometimes, we must not discount the fact that they have their challenges to face. In our generation, I'm 50 plus, we didn't have all this going to Facebook, Instagram, and you are glued on it. You want to know what somebody has said about you, what somebody has not said about you, and all that kind of things. And you know, It's a different kind of challenge. Now, what am I trying to say here? Jehoshaphat did not exclude and say they are too young to participate in church. 
they are not too young to participate in knowing what prayer is. Because those children were able to see that on account of prayer, God showed up. Now there is no, there's no age limit. No age limit. The Spirit of God is always present when we pray. And somehow the Spirit of God is allocating to them. You see, if, um, if prayer is kind of alien. I'm trying to find out somebody. What's the opposite of alien? Familiar, yes. Maybe. Well, go and check it in the dictionary. If prayer is alien, make it familiar. Mm. Even if there are teeth and problems, initially I submit to you, experts have proven that anything you, you practice habitually, day after, day after a while, it becomes part of you. Jesus gave an example of how and why we must, um, we must do it. So they must learn from an early age to begin to contend with things. Jacob was already contending with Esau for his place right from the womb before he showed up physically. The Bible tells us of, of Samuel, the Bible scholar said between the age of 8 and 13, he was ministering in God's house at age 17, thereabout. David slew Goliath, not with a missile, not with a sword, with a stone. Um, King Solomon, at age 18, between age 18 and 22, thereabout, the Bible says he started major projects that nobody on the face of the earth before then or even after has ever or would ever be able to articulate. So there's no age limit. And if in terms of longevity, kill about 85, he was still ready. God called Moses at 80 and God fortified him yet for another 40 years. Is it Joshua? He was also 80. For the next 30 years, he was head of certain commander-in-chief of the armed forces of Israel, and he all delivered. So the battles, the battles we must fight. Enemies we must subdue. So that the next generation do not have to fight the same enemy. Let me give you a good thing. I won't go through that in scripture because of time. The Bible makes us realize, if you go through the account of King David, the Bible would make us realize that his battles were continuous. Philistine after Philistine, even after Goliath was, was slain, there was still another more formidable giant, more formidable than Goliath. In fact, this one, they said he had, um, thank you, Pastor, six digits on each limb. In my view, that's a monster. But they had to fight that monster. Have to fight the Amalekites. God said of the Amalekites, he will have war with them from generation to generation. Now, what David did something. He subdued every enemy before he passed away at he was a person. Now, why am I saying this? It's not because Solomon will not face but Solomon did not fire one missile in his 40 year in why because dad had taken down and put every one of those enemies in subjection there are things we will do as parents 
Solomon had his own challenges. He had to contend with 700 wives who were princesses and 300 who were concubines. I don't know about you, but I think that is a formidable challenge. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know how I got into that. But it's a fact. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible records it. It's a different kind of challenge. But I noticed something that, um, that um, David did. If you go, go with me, I think the first Kings, the second chapter. Just read a few verses of scripture there. First Kings. First Kings chapter 2. Uh-huh. I read about 4 or 5. Now the, day, the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, go to verse 2. I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. Go to verse 3. And keep the charge of the Lord our God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Go to verse 4. That the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons, please note, this is talking generationally, if your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Now let me, let me stop there. David appears to be the only king that gave this kind of instruction. Solomon is not recorded that he gave this kind of instruction and counsel. In fact, this Jehoshaphat we are talking about because the son that succeeded him, Jehoram, I think that's his name. Wicked. Wicked. Did dad do well? Yes. But the dad hand over a button of prayer, a button of the word to the son who is coming after him. Let's see what, what go, go to... Um, Ecclesiastes 2, verse 18. Let's hear what Solomon says. The wisest, wealthiest, greatest womanizer king that ever roamed this earth. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 2. It says, Then I hated all my labor in which I had told under the sun, because I must leave it to the man who will come after him. Now go to verse 19. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will rule over all my labor in which I told and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. Why? Did he take time out to instruct, as David instructed him, to counsel and be a father to Rehoboam? Rehoboam was not anything, was not anything. Like, in fact, from Rehoboam, Jesus, that was the end of any king reigning over the entirety of Israel. Because he had wars, he he was depraved, he followed idols. Are, are, we, are we still together? So we are in a, in a perpetual relay race. It doesn't end with me. It doesn't end with you, Zach. It doesn't. It, we have to hand over. That means we as parents, as leaders, as next of kin, as men, we must be fortified. 
Because unless, if you're running a relay race and you fall, how do you hand over? Not because you die, but because you are devoid of capacity. Solomon did not hand over because David's instruction was you and your sons generationally. Sort of like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They did not. The baton was handed over from one generation to the next. Abraham prophesied over Isaac. Isaac prophesied over Jacob. Jacob prophesied over that entire lineage. And that word of prophecy still holds. Till today. Now some of the instructions that David, just a little digression. He told Solomon, if you want to be at peace. You know, we said earlier that the man's enemies are men of his own household. Now, please don't go looking for enemies within the family. That is not the intention. Okay? But David instructed Solomon that the general of my army, who was opposed to me, usurped my authority, assassinated your brother. David, I believe, wanted to save that young man, killed him. And he carried a number of um, ungodly things that literally challenged David. And David knew. Now, one of the things that Joab did was he was party to the institution of a king that God did not ordain while David was still alive. So David told his son, if you want peace, take this man out. He said, do not let his gray hair if I take it out with blood. Told him. Another uh, one who you saw to sort of Shimei. Put him at bay. He had to execute. Now, the very first one that Solomon executed was his own brother, Adonijah, brother of, of Absalom. I know it's not part of this, but what I'm saying is, Father gave instruction that if you want this kingdom to prosper, there are certain enemies within that you must subdue. As I said, don't take your magnifying lens and start looking. Hey, hey, somebody said amen. I do a disclaimer right now that they heard from the puppet that go. And no, that is not what, that's not what we're saying. Are we still together? Quickly, let's go on. Next thing. There must be a readiness on your part and on my part, irrespective of feeling, reason, or season. I think I'm told that I'm, I'm getting close to it as well. Amen. There must be a readiness on our part, irrespective of feeling, or reason, or season, to, ready, to be ready to deploy. Let me use the example of the state of Israel. They are one nation, small as there. We've shared this before. They, when Hezbollah or Al-Aqsa or Misal comes in from Lebanon or from Palestine, they know it's coming. They sound the alarm. People get into their bunkers. However, as that Misal is coming into Israel, be rest assured, Israel is deploying immediately. 
If the missile takes two out and Israel responds and they take 200, they will call it fair play. You know, why am I saying this? They remain, in my view, I stand to be corrected, the most combat-ready nation of any nation on the face of this earth. They do not sit down and start calling committees of leaders. How do we respond and how do we immediately? Then after they've deployed the missiles, they will now tell the United Nations and United Kingdom and United States of America that, are we still together? Jesus was not caught. He had an answer. When the devil showed up, he had an answer immediately. And at the end of it, told him to get lost. We must be ready in season and out of season. Paul says this in, in 2 Timothy 2. While he was admonishing Timothy about preaching, it applies to us in what we've been called to do. He says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teach, which means at every point in time, there must be a readiness. Can I use this time to, there's not an indictment on any one of us. Church is full on, church is full on on Sunday, but you see on Tuesdays where we stand in the gap to fortify ourselves there are few of us and we are meant to be, you see Jehoshaphat called a prayer meeting and everybody including the children they showed up there's always a fraction of us on Tuesdays, even on Fridays when we are meant to, to sharpen our equipment there are few of us. It's not an indictment. It's just um, one of those. You know where the Bible says, Selah, pause and think about it. Many are called. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Give me five minutes. They've told me, so we'll round up. Go with me, Second Chronicles, verse 22. Second Chronicles, verse 22. Uh-huh. No, Second Chronicles 20, 2022. My apologies. Second Chronicles 20, 22. Uh-huh. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. And please note, and they were defeated. Jehoshaphat, and the entire army of Israel, they did not fire. You know what the weapon was? Worship. Because when God hears worship, heaven's army stands. And they deploy things that we do not see. The Bible says in Second Corinthians, then that the weapons with which we fight, they are not carnal, but they are mighty in God, pulling down everything, I paraphrase, everything that represents an enemy. Praise and worship is not just for, how many of us were blessed with worship today? Let's put our hands together. It is meant to be a moment by moment experience because in heaven, worship, the Bible says the angels do not rest, whether it is day or whether it is night. They are worshiping God, declaring that he is holy. Christ says that his kingdom must be done, his will must be done here on earth as it is in heaven. There must be an atmosphere of worship around us all the time. It commands God's presence who lives 
in prayer. So what am I saying? Don't wait till you come on Sunday to create that atmosphere within. When you create that atmosphere, somehow God has angels around you to shield you, to defend you. He has a whisper, something to say to you in that place. of When your back is against the wall, Jehoshaphat's back was against the wall. And the solution that God deployed, just begin to worship. Very familiar account. The walls of Jericho did not come down because they attached grenades to the walls of Jericho. No, it was worship. God told them, go around it repeatedly. It looked crazy. He said, but the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, I think 26 through to 20, that God is still using the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. It doesn't make intellectual sense when an army has arranged itself against you and then the next thing you're doing is singing. They will think you're crazy, but it looks crazy in the natural, but heaven is doing something. When we come to that place of worship, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 12, Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, it says, let's lay aside every weight, whatever I sin, and anything that can hinder. Are we still together? So, lay aside whatever that challenge is because we can't serve God and mammon. God is bigger than whatever the thing is that may have kept the back up against the wall. Amen? Next thing. I think that's item number six. One more and I'll round up. God's counsel is accurate. It's foolproof. Isaiah said something in, if you go with me to Isaiah 28, I think the last two chapters. Isaiah 28. Yeah, go to verse 26. I believe something like that. Uh-huh. For he instructs him in right judgment. His God teaches him. Go to verse 27. Okay. For black cumin is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor a cat will roll over the cumin, but the black cumin is beaten out with a stick and the cumin with a rod. Go to verse 28. Bread flour must be ground, therefore he does not thresh it forever. Break it with his cattle or crush it with his horsemen. Verse 29. Uh-huh. You may say, why did we read that? God was giving an instruction to a farmer. How to plant. What to plant. How to harvest. God is in everything. The Bible says in Psalm 24 that this earth is the Lord's. It says this instruction, counsel, comes from the Lord of God. Who is what? He is wonderful in counsel. And let me use it in intellectual terms. And has a star in guiding you and I. He cannot fail. If it sounds foolish, pursue it. Because when you show up at the Red Sea, the Red Sea has to part. When you cross over to the other side and say stand, you will see everything that chased you to the Red Sea perish in the Red Sea. I'll round up on the last on the last item. John fifteen five. John fifteen chapter five. <laughs> this is Christ. He says, "I am the vine; you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit." For without me, 
you can do nothing. Let me remind close with this song. I won't sing it because I'm not part of the singing thing. Hallelujah. For those of us who may have been Baptist, Methodist, Anglican, there's this song that says, Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe. When God showed up for Joshua, was victorious. There is nothing that we place before God or place in God that we will not win. Christ promises, John 16, says in this world, we will have tribulation, but we must be of good cheer because as he overcame, we're also overcomers. Amen. I have to round up on that. My time is up. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this short time, Lord, O oh God, of reminding us, Lord, O oh God Almighty, that indeed there are battles, but that we are overcomers. Your what is whatsoever is born of God, overcomes the world, and this is the victory I have on account of our faith in you. Your word reminds us in Romans 8.31 that if you be for us, who is it? What is it that can ever be against us. In you we live. In you we move. In you we have our being. Because of you we are more than conquerors. Lord of God, let whatever nugget, Lord of God, that has been discussed today, Lord of God, let it grow, let it germinate, Lord of God, to remind us, every one of us, that you alone, you are God. And there is none like you who delivers the powerless from the mighty. You did it for Jehoshaphat. You're able to do it for us, Lord, O oh God, in measures beyond our imagination. So, Lord, O oh God, anoint our eyes to see what you're saying. Let our ears be attentive to the frequency of what heaven is seeing. Let our hearts embrace the instruction and counsel. Yes, it may not look intellectually sound, but it is always divine and always produces results. So, Lord, O oh God Almighty, let our hearts embrace the instruction you give us, Lord, O oh God Almighty, as we seek your face. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you all the honor. Lord, oh God, I beseech you in the name of Jesus, allocate to every soul here the victory. Lord, oh God Almighty, the victory that they so require of you. For you are the commander of the host of heaven. You never, have never, will ever lose a battle. Be glorified and be exalted, Father Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and the church of God said, Amen. God bless you. Oh,